Hey, Joao. Hey, I'm here. <laughs> My name is Joao. I'm from Brazil. It's actually, we say Joao, but it's a very difficult sound for anyone else in Brazilians to make, the Portuguese speakers. So it's Joao for most of the people I know. And uh, I am here at home, in quarantine. And, How long have you been uh, home? Uh, it's the third week or fourth week now. I don't even remember anymore when it started. <laughs> I just remember it was a Sunday. I just landed from New York and then I'm still here since then. The cabin fever. So where are you? You're in, you're in Brazil? Yeah, Brazil, Sao Paulo. Oh, nice. What, what part of Sao Paulo? Yeah. Uh, it's a neighborhood called Alto da Lapa, which is okay. a more like homes and um, residential and houses instead of buildings. So it's a very quiet and calm place. Nice. I, yeah. um, I've been there a couple of times. It's great. I need to orient myself. Is it... Is it uh... It's near Vila Madalena. If oh, okay. you remember it. Yeah, yeah. It's more so what's going on in Sao Paulo? What's, uh, is it all on lockdown? What's going on? Yeah, it's lockdown. It's complete lockdown since uh, one and a half week ago. And uh, they prolonged now until 22nd of April. And probably they're going to make it longer until like middle May or something. We don't know it yet. Besides the Brazilian president, which is an asshole and uh, super right wing. And he's denying. He has in denial. So it's it's very difficult now, the political situation, because all the governors from the Brazilian states are like, lockdown, we should stay at home, and all the doctors saying that, and the president saying, no, it's okay, we cannot stop the economy now, and, wow. and which is kind of crazy, yeah. Why, why do you think that is? Is it so, just to protect the economy, or is it, why do you think that is? Uh, we could say that he's a negationist since the beginning, so it's... Uh, Flat Earth and uh, against science, against knowledge. He took uh, money from uh, from research and uh, sciences. So it's it's been like this forever. Now he's engaging the sanitary crisis. So it's it's just one more thing that he's he's pushing his his back up, saying it's not true and praying for God. He last Sunday he said, let's all do like a no meeting day, and then we're gonna save our souls and this kind of thing. It's is he very religious? Yeah. Is it is it a religious thing or no? It's just yeah, one of these like uh, neo Pentecostal Protestant religions. Uh, it's very like spread in Brazil, which is kind of uh, it's not a Protestant like in the European Protestant. It's more like um, I don't know how to explain that, but it's very evangelical. So they sing, they shout, and there's a lot of like scenes on the church, and they took a very political role in Brazil last um, years. And uh, he's very connected with these people. So, is it uh, maybe a little bit like uh, the evangelical people here in, in yeah. America? Yeah, more or less like this. Yeah, exactly, more or less like this. And uh, but it's it's a very how can I say it? It's a very non knowledgeable thing, you know. Like it's usually the people with less, less education and even the the preachers and everything. So it's a very it's full of prejudice and uh, I mean it's not scientific at all. When when you have you hear the Pope saying like we should trust the doctors and you see the guy saying we should trust God and there's something is very wrong in this thing, you know, because something is very wrong. And so so Paulo is basically on lockdown, everybody's out like if you look out the window, is it empty or is people still out? Because it's a very bustling city. Yeah, it's it's very empty for what it is, but there's some people not respecting it. But the business is closed, like the, so you can all, all around the business. Besides, like supermarkets and uh, drugstores, I mean, 99% of the things are closed, and also deliveries and takeaways from restaurants and food stuff. But it's it's very 
down here if you go around. You're pretty good yeah, at cooking, so that's I'm, not such I'm, a bad I'm doing thing. Fine, yeah. 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 But how is your business? Just tell us a little bit about like what it is that you do. I mean, you cook, you write, you photograph, you travel. Um, how is this affecting yeah, my, your... my I mean, if I had to divide my life into things, I'm uh, running this uh, uh, this uh, factory and a uh, store from uh, furniture, which is now we're working from home, so everybody is doing a home office, and it's it's pretty much going. Not the same activity as we used to do, but there's people buying things. Yeah, there's people. So we are, we are working. There have been some uh, demands, and we are doing it. We are using this time also to improve the website and things like that. We didn't have time to do so. Now we have more free time, and we are doing it. Um, What's the website? I have this research. Uh, that's from the from the store, so it's yeah. it's pretty much like the yeah. And what's the and, what's the uh, URL? What's the website? It's called Barauna. It's a it's a workshop from uh, design furniture yeah. and wood. And then I have my my research as a historian, so I'm doing this documentary. I'm working on it right now, and I have some other projects that I'm kind of lacking concentration to go with it because of this quarantine thing. I spend so much time reading about politics and getting mad, and so it's I'm losing a bit of focus on that. <laughs> And uh, well, the travel, the traveling is, is stopped, and I've been cooking a lot at home, and it's nice because I'm improving my skills. Yeah. I have a lot of time to do it, and it somehow is helping me to concentrate and to have a routine. So I'm doing like very long preparations of things, so bread, butter, sauces, and all this stuff that takes a lot of time to do. Yeah, it's helping a lot to to put my head on the track. So it's nice. more or less what I'm doing nowadays. Tell us about the the Casa Carbonara. Like that that that's also is that on hold now, or you you, you can still ride and stuff? No, the thing is, uh, the Casa de Carbonara can, we can divide into two things. But it's my home where I receive people, friends, uh, and friends of friends sometimes, and I cook here, and then they everybody comes to cook and have fun and drink. So this is obviously stopped from now. Yeah. It's another business, so it's it's okay. It's just I'm not inviting people over. But the website I'm trying to, which is a kind of a virtual uh, space for meeting people, I'm trying to upload some things like photos and texts and trying to get it and videos to get it uh, active because people are at home more time. But I'm struggling a bit as well. I must, I must confess to you, my concentration is going uh, towards the business, uh, the furniture place and uh, politics. I'm reading so much about politics and get a lot of mad. So. So, so tell me about how you got started, because you have an interesting background. You, you know, you've done, uh, you're a historian, you do all these different things. Like, how did you get started? What was, your, what was the first thing you started? I have my degree on in, uh, international relations. I also studied law. Then I did a master's on political sciences and a PhD on history. But besides that, I've worked in a lot of different things. So I, I had an art gallery for some years. I still work some, somehow with art. So my history is, is around the cultural and uh, art business. Uh, my, my, my studies. So I'm not dealing art anymore, but I'm still working on that. I'm do, I do text for exhibitions and uh, curatorial stuff and sometimes uh, research for other things. And in the middle of this, I, I, lo I love to cook. And I got divorced like uh, in 2012, 13. And I moved to this place, which is a big house, a very nice house, alone, feeling very lonely because I was just divorced. And I started receiving people over to to have dinner here and to have parties here. And then somehow it became a place that people start coming and become like a, not a club, but something some, somewhere people 
was coming very often, so twice a week, three times a week to have drinks and cook, and everybody's bringing like beer and wine. Okay. So it became a place that friends uh, get together, and uh, and then somehow it got this nickname of Casa do Carbonara because I used to do a lot of carbonara the late evenings, like two in the morning, three in the morning. It looks so, amazing. I was looking at it before this, and I got so hungry. It looks amazing. So it became this thing, and people think it's a restaurant. So some, sometimes I, re I receive like a reservation request, things like that, <laughs> but it's not a restaurant at all. At all. So it's it's kind of funny. And then I decided to translate the space into a website, which is putting like things that we discuss about and uh, all the chefs uh, seen and trying to put something about that in their website. Then I first created just to hold the name because I was worried that someone would use the name for other things. Yeah. So that's the truth also. And uh, and every year now I've been doing this uh, December dinner with chefs from around the world. They're friends. So I gather together like chefs from different places like Spain, Peru, France. Or, or oh, that's great. Every year. It's, it's a random thing. Whoever wants to come, come and cook together here with some Brazilian chefs as well. And we do this dinner, which is also everything is for free. Every chef pays their own ticket. And the, the thing is that I decided the Casa do Carbonara itself is not a business. It shouldn't be a business. It's not going to be a business. I don't make any money out of that. And I don't want anyone to pay to have that. So it's... So what it's would you a, say that you get, I mean, that, that idea of the salon and people getting together. And obviously a lot of us miss that right now when we can't travel. How did you create that community? Was it just organic? Do you think well, that one I can mean, create these things? Uh, I started doing these connections with, uh, with chefs, mainly because I was going out so much to restaurants and uh, alone most of the time because I just got divorced and you were in this time like, I, I just need to be alone for some time and this kind of stuff. So I started going to restaurants a lot and I always liked to cook. So I was uh, very like curious about what you're doing, how to cook that and this and started becoming friends with some chefs. And then it, it starts spreading around and people start coming here, chefs cooking here sometimes at the evening, after the service. And then people start to say, ah, why don't you go to this place where this chef are cooking or whatever. And then somehow it, it, it grew, grew like that. So, but it, but it was very organic. I mean, became a place for, for my friends just because it became a place. And, the, and people were changing as well. So we became more chefs and then some people of the cocktail scene and then some, some people from wine scene and French from other parts, so. I think it's interesting that that whole idea of the, of the kind of salon dinner or, you know, there's been a lot of talk about that in the last few years and people trying to create these things. And, and we certainly have them at, at Alma, you know, almost every week. But how would you say, is there a way to make them successful, would you say? Or like, do you think that there's a recipe of like, if you do it this way, it works. If you do it that way, it doesn't work. And what, you know, you, you trial and error. Like what I mean, for me, what worked very well was to try to not create a business related thing you know uh people feel comfortable enough to feel like they're not being used for anything having no logos or any kind of i had a lot of offers sometimes of like a brand of bourbon or a gym so now i want you put some of my drinks there and then I, I give you for free and you just put a logo somewhere but no it's my house it doesn't make any sense to put a logo anywhere you know I have my paintings i have the things that i have at home my collections and it doesn't make any sense to to put anything in here i won't put it and then I think I, I started finding that somehow uh, people started getting very comfortable of feeling at home, and that, that was the thing um, mainly. And also not having a very strict uh, program, you know, it's like 
I'm not gonna cook this and this. I'm gonna sit in the table. So everybody's like very spread in the house. Everybody change the music, and so it was. I think the the home home feeling was very good in this sense, and also not focusing the the subject when we talk about food. There's a lot of discussion of politics and basketball, uh, music, whatever. So. I mean, there's a lot of food and drinks and wine going on, but we know, we're never talking about that, you know. So that, I think, was somehow make a lot of success people because people say, hey, it's very nice to be here and it's good nice and we're discussing, I don't know, any kind of things. And I think these two things make people very comfortable about coming here. I mean, it's interesting when you say the whole, the whole logo and all that stuff. It, it's the second you're trying to force it when it feels that you're you have to perform or you're invited to this dinner. So therefore you have to post something online or you have to, you know, there's this idea. I remember I was working with, with absolute vodka years ago and we did this trip to uh, Los Angeles and we met with all these people. And one of the things we were talking about is how does a modern brand interact with celebrities or interesting people? And or I think it was musicians we were talking about specifically. And it was this idea of sort of just giving things and being generous. It's like when you give a present to somebody, you don't expect someone to give you something back. You know, you either give something or you or you don't. And I find it interesting how yeah. a lot of these dinners that we all get invited to, they just feel like you're you're working and it's you know you're supposed to do something or it's it's just really the the, the crowd is really weird. It, it, you know, they've curated it, but it's all it's all weird. You know, I mean, it's have you had any dinner parties that that didn't work or that sort of failed because of whatever reason? No, I had I had to, in the beginning. In the beginning, it was very, very attractive because you just, just say something, okay, this guy wants to give me like four boxes of beer. So it's a very good beer, American craft beer. It's amazing. And I said, I, I should take it, you know, it's super good. I have beer for everyone, a good beer. But then I started feeling that I have the sense of depth. And so I, I used to post, and if you go back to my Instagram, you see like, a lot of Sierra Nevada and, uh, and the bourbon, the white turkey. But then I thought that was it. The people are not going to drink that because they drink it here. They're going to drink it because it's good or not. So it's, it doesn't make sense for me to, to try to provoke something and to create an environment that's promoting something. And then I, I, I start saying, no, I don't want this anymore. I don't want it for free. I'd rather people bring their own rules. And, and sometimes and now, now afterwards, uh, some especially wine importers, friends of mine that are friends from life and they are importing wine, they sometimes bring some wine and leave it here like a box of wine. And it's been selling a lot because I didn't do any advertising. I just have to open some time and someone said, okay, where is this wine from? I said, oh, this one is important. But uh, I'm not trying to promote anything anymore. And sometimes it just happened to be something. And I think this is a very good uh, lesson for this kind of business, when in, in, especially in uh, social networks and kind of stuff. It has to be natural. If you... If, if I sometimes I go to my Instagram now and post something saying like ads, uh, vodka, banana, people say like, what the hell is he doing? He never does that, you know, it, it just feels fake. Yeah. No, it's funny. When we built Alma, we, you know, th this whole idea that how we designed the space and people were asking us like how, what the philosophy was or whatever. And it's just being comfortable, like being comfortable, feeling comfortable, feeling like you're in your house, you know, you know, using good materials, trying to be interesting, trying to not use the same thing that everybody else uses. And I, I don't know, I think even you, you might like it or not like it, but this idea that you get the sense that somebody, somebody liked it, somebody put some effort into it. That's sort of, you know, you cooked a meal and it was lovely. And, and 
it doesn't have to be so complicated sometimes. It feels like people kind of overdo it. Yeah, I think also the, the, the thing in my house is that it's uh, designed by a good architect and have good design it's pieces. very brutalistic. Who, who's, is it? It happens to be my father, by the way, but he's a, it's not because he's my father, but he's a famous architect in Brazil and oh. did a lot of building. And uh, your father? What's his name? It's uh, the office called Brasil Arquitetura and his name is Marcelo Ferraz. Oh, <laughs> That's amazing. I know him. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and and then I, I had this uh, gallery, so I had a lot of art around the house and, and different periods and a lot of design uh, furniture. So I think people also get amazing, like oh, it's, it's the, the place is so nice. I feel so good there. I like to go, and there's a lot of art around. I think all of these things. Would you feel comfortable showing me your house, or is it messy? Yeah, yeah, I can show you. I'm here in the first floor because there was some people cutting the grass in the other. Okay. So here I have a piece of Brazilian artist. This is a German expressionist sculpture. Here's a Brazilian artist from the 50s, although this is a later work. Some Brazilian folk art, some graffiti. And if I come here, I have this Eames chair, this original Eames chair. This is Torres Garcia chair. Then modern art from France. I mean. Wow, it's beautiful. This is the first floor, yeah. If you go here, this is from the 38 or 39. And then, I mean, if you go downstairs, you have more, like, different art. And that's a bit of a mess. Is it a freestanding house or is it part of a apartment building? It's a freestanding house. It's two, two floors and, uh, and the ceiling also has some uh, garden. Wow. And uh, there's a very nice view. And, and then that's it. There's a good garden, some dogs. Some library, that's it. So I know you travel quite a bit. Is there any place you've been in the last year or two that you really loved, recommend, or that you really want to go back to? I have two places of my, that is like the places I like most going is the Basque Country because of the food and I mean I made a lot of friends there and also Copenhagen. Yeah, I love Copenhagen and uh, also made a lot of friends there and like going for eating and drinking and also the feeling of riding bicycle all day. Yeah small city. I, I come from Sao Paulo. I live in the top of a hill. So if I take my bike, I, it's always a struggle to go back, come back home. And it, when I go to Copenhagen, it feels so small and so like yeah, easy nice. to go around. So it just feel right. Even though it's super expensive for Brazilians to go to Copenhagen, yeah. it makes a lot of sense for me going there. And it's no, very much at home. Have you... And also Lisbon, yeah. And Lisbon, have you heard... Uh, have you been to Tbilisi, to Georgia? No, never. I met this guy, Valeri, and I just fell in love. I haven't been, but I'm dying to go to Tbilisi. It's one of those cities that just sounds amazing. And every, everybody I meet who's been there is like, talks about it like it's the new Berlin. It's food scene is amazing. Hotels, design, it's kind of untouched in some area. You can go skiing. It's, you know, it's where they invented wine. It's where wine was invented. Yeah, it's, 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 I, mean, I would say that the wine there is amazing. Yeah. And they have this very old wine production, yeah. So um, it's how do you crazy. spend your days now working? Like, what, what's your, uh, and you were saying that you get a bit distracted, but do you have any tips of what to do, what not to do in this coronavirus time, staying inside? I'm trying to, first of all, make, have my house organized and clean, Yeah. which I heard from some uh, psychologists, and they said, okay, the first thing is enjoy the MS you are. So yeah. I, I made a lot of mess, usually in my, my, my life, but I'm trying to make, like, the kitchen clean and the house clean and the, clothes wash because then it's more enjoyable to be at yeah. home and um, I'm trying to have some routine so I'm trying to every day I set five records and I listen to the five records from beginning to end like 
concentrate on the music. I, in the end of the afternoon, I do that. And I'm, I'm doing the, like, every morning I wake up and I go to all the mails and things from the production in the workshop. Then I start to concentrate on all the projects during the afternoon. Then I stop listening to music, then start reading. I'm trying to focus on these things. Yeah. Uh, and the kitchen routine is also helping me a lot. So the bread, so I have to start like feeding the, the starter. Then after a day, you have to mix in the bread and doing the folds. Then another day. So this kind of very long preparations also helps a lot. You're doing a history around bread, right? That's what you're focusing on right now? I'm working in two different projects. One is this documentary on uh, food and uh, contemporary culture. So I'm, I've asked chefs to talk about cultural questions and not uh, food itself or the, the recipe. So it's very nice. It's talking about like creativity, memory, globalization, environmental questions. So I put them to talk about more philosophical things, which is super nice. And I'm finishing this project. And I'm doing now this project of um, somehow to get a book of it. It's a uh, research about bread and trying to take bread as a, of, as a histor historic piece that you can translate a lot of history through the years, uh, through the bread uh, history. Yeah. And I found this bread in Portugal. It is a medieval bread. And I'm doing the research of, around that. And I found that this bread came to Germans in the end of the Roman Empire, and it somehow was the same bread that the same people like taught uh, Europe how to do it. So it's the segl, the I think the all the rye breads around the Europe. So those came from the same origin. So I'm trying to research this. Yeah, bread. It's it's funny. Like you you were telling me when I saw you the the whole history of it. It's it's kind of it's amazing how much information and how you could track sort of movement of people, how they traveled through through the world, and how bread changed as they travel. That's kind of fascinating. Yeah, my thing is, I think it's to do a statement with, with the bread, with of how diverse population in Europe and how hybrid they are. Yeah. When sometimes we took for granted and we just say, okay, uh, Sweden's are from Sweden, uh, Germans are from Germany, French, uh, French are from France. Mm -hmm. And it's not really true, you know, because it, this comes from the, I, I must say like 1,300 uh, years after Christ. But before that, it was a mess. Everybody was going around. I mean, we never think about that uh, as we should. So if everybody feels things like I'm a real French or I'm a real Spanish. It doesn't make any fucking sense in the end, you know? Right. If I tell you that uh, people from era had like blue eyes and blondes and you had black people in England, will it make sense for you now? It doesn't make any sense, but it's true. It, it right. is true. The populations were changing and going around. And um, I think bread is a very good uh, piece of thing to explain that somehow. Yeah. How it changes. Um, so when is that going to be use bread as a... Uh, that's a very good question. <laughs> I should be working on that more often. Than I am. So how do you, do you gain a lot of weight doing all the bread studies? Do you just balloon or you eat a lot of bread? Are you okay? I'm okay. Uh, I mean, I am, I am over, overweighted, but not because of the breads. <laughs> just because I stopped, stopped training for some time ago. Right. I had these shoulder injuries and I started, stopped playing basketball. So I got like 10 kilos. They're stick with me and I cannot lose them. No. Uh, well, it's also getting older. Do you feel like the, the idea of, of history, of being a history, historian, do you feel that that puts the current, I mean, if you think about what's going on right now, it's obviously very extreme and it's new and we, our world hasn't seen it, but there's been other epidemics, not not in the way, I think we're experiencing differently because we're we're doing this, like I'm talking to you and you're in Brazil and we're, yeah. know, we're so connected. But I mean, going back a hundred years, we had a pandemic, we've had, you know, we've had 
the age pandemic yeah. and SARS and Mars and all that. Do you feel like putting things in sort of a historical perspective helps you sort of deal with stuff? Or do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, help helps thinking that uh, it's going to pass, you know. We're going to pass over it. We're going to lose a lot of people, that's for sure. Maybe less than the other epidemics, because when you look at the numbers of the other epidemics, they're like truly, truly, truly bad. Yeah. Much worse than we were saying today in terms of uh, proportion of the population or even the actual numbers itself, because it was like 20 million people or something like that. We're not even close to that, yeah. if you look. I'm not saying that it's not bad enough, because it's bad enough. No, I get it. We should be at home. But so the, going to this side is a good way to look at history. But the thing is that the everyday thing is so bad itself, because if you lose just one person, it's uh, it's enough. There, there's a saying that Wittgenstein sign Catactus when he said, "When some someone dies, is a war that die." So this is bad enough. Yeah. yeah, and and it's and I think this is a very true statement because if you think of your head of how many things happen in your head, and this door closed at once, so it's when, when people close, it's a lot of things that's going away. So the tragedy is still there, but on the other hand, you can look through history and think, okay, it's a movement. It's gonna pass. We're gonna go over it and maybe we can have some uh, learning from that. So the way we deal with nature, the way we, we respect the nature, the way we consume things and how we're losing the track of the world of consumption and this idea of putting in a horizontal scale of you, the better you are, the better you consume, which is completely senseless because we're changing the idea of citizenship or the idea of power of consumption, which is crazy, but it's what's happening in the big cities around the world. And uh, so I think this, there's a lot of to, to learn from that. Do you uh, feel hopeful that we will learn from this? I mean, looking back again at history, we don't, we don't tend to be that good at learning from our... The thing that makes me the most angry is that th there were ways for us to prevent... I mean, not prevent it, but to be better prepared. And, and I heard this, this number that somebody said that if we put $100 billion... Uh, at global warming or climate change, then we could turn the tide, like we could fix or, you know, change that. But obviously there's never a hundred billion dollars, that kind of money, you know, we don't, we can't afford that. But then you had, you know, the financial crisis in 2008 and we spent a ton of money. And now this Corona crisis in the U.S. alone, they are saying it's going to cost about $3 trillion, which is 30 times. And, you know, you, we've all seen the speech that Bill Gates gave and all, like there was all this, people who said this is going to happen, it's going to happen any day now, and yet we, all our countries, you know, the United States, Sweden, Brazil, we are so unbelievably unprepared, and that's the thing that really pisses me off, like why we have all these people who, who supposedly whose job it is to keep us safe, why aren't they preparing for things? That, that to me is really upsetting. So I wonder if we'll learn anything from this, or if it just goes back to consuming and crazy after. I think we're not learning from this, unfortunately. I think we should, but if you look back, like 2008, we had this crazy crisis. And uh, and what was the, the heart of the crisis? Like just leaving individuals and uh, business, uh, like liberal business taking over the economy didn't work. We broke a lot of countries. We destroyed economies like Ireland and Greece and whatever. They were all destroyed because we said, okay, let's do a very liberal path and uh, the the business, the individuals no can do it. No. no regulation at all. And then it didn't work. And have we learned about that? Maybe for two or three years we did some things. But now I, go, I look at Brazil and people are saying the same solution. Like let the market rule itself. And then we are seeing that today that, again, the solution passed through governments helping the people and helping, like, securing some income from, from for poor people. 
And then you go to United States, and I had this this article in the the, the New Yorker magazine, and they were just saying that two thirds of the Americans are broke, that's a balance. They have problems paying their their social things and the the health uh, plans. Yeah. Like the so you say okay, so probably it's not working. Also, not having at all. Uh, and Obama was saying that like ten years ago. It's been going on no for long. It's been going on for centuries. I mean, you know, it's been going on for yeah. for you know a long, long time. Well, I don't I don't know if we're learning or not. I, I always think that people try to think as selfish as they can most of the time, which is a very bad thing. But maybe. Some small things can come, and and I don't know. I'm not very optimistic about that. I'm optimistic that we're gonna pass over the crisis, but I don't know if we're gonna change things a lot. I think a lot of people have been saying this. Even the 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 Queen of England was saying the other day that you know to to she was saying that uh, to sort of uh, use this time to reflect and to pray or to meditate. Do you think that there's a? Do, do you feel like there's a spirituality? Are you sensing it in yourself? Because I, I felt in the last few days, like it's or the last few weeks, it's hard not to, it's hard not to kind of think about how, you know, just slowing things down, staying at home, not being able to consume, that it makes you feel a bit more connected to the world in a way. You feel the same way? I'm super skeptical and a super like a, a atheist, but I understand the feeling in another sense. I think like thinking yourself with your inner and trying to reconnect with things in a time. I always take it the non-religious way of thinking of this, but I, I can understand how you can manage to think in a religious way as well, in a, a spiritual way. For me, music has been something, and uh, literature has been something, and going after like books that I was trying to read for so long and I couldn't do it. Yeah. So, But I, I can see how you can turn this into a spiritual activity and uh, in terms of going in yards and uh, look at look, look to your inner self and... Um, trying to understand what's happening in the way it suits better for you. So for some people, uh, spiritual things are very important. Yeah. For me, I'm not happens very, not to be, but, yeah, I'm not but really, I respect not that. Particularly spiritual, but I think that there's this, I don't know, there, there's something to be said for, uh, like you really see that the earth is one living thing, like it's one body, and it and now we have a cold, you know, and it, and it, and it, it kind yeah. of, you know, and how quickly things spread, and it goes from, Brazil to Sweden to Tokyo to you know to to the United States in, in a matter of, of days and it's I find that really kind of poetic in a way I don't know so what are you listening to do you have any great tips of, of music or, or books that you're reading or what are you consuming you know I'm, I'm very crazy about the literature and I had this uh, spurts of reading one author to the begin to end and um, I had one uh, some 10, 10 or 20 years ago I don't remember exactly when was it I did a James Joyce thing all right uh, going from the Dubliners to uh, to Lysis, but I couldn't do it the Finnegan's Wake, and now I'm going after it. It's been a struggle, but it's a good struggle because I have a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, so, but I cannot recommend to anyone because it's so fucking hard that I cannot even know if, I, if it's going it's doing good for me. So, <laughs> okay, it's very very difficult to read, but it's super nice. And what are you listening? And, to? and I'm listening a lot of uh, different music from Brazilian old samba, like very old the beginning. But a lot of jazz, a lot of Miles Davis, and especially the the fusion part of Miles Davis. So, right. in a silent way, Beaches Brill, Jack Tribute, Jack Johnson, these these records, and a lot of Thelonious Monk as well. So it's almost a religious experience to listen a lot of Thelonious Monk. But yes, I agree. That's awesome. What you, what time is it where you are? It's uh, 
You're an hour behind, right? Yeah, I'm. Uh, no, I'm much, much more. Right. For me now, it's like the 12th century. Awesome. What do you got going on the rest of the day? I have to watch again the documentary, the, the movie I'm doing because I have to do some notes for the editor. Then go back to the bread uh, research. Back to the bread. The bread thing. It's really good yeah. to see you. It's so good to see you. And let's uh, when this shit is all over, let have you come to Stockholm and cook, and we'll do it. Yeah, dinner. let's do this. Let's celebrate afterwards. Yeah. yeah. I love that. All right, and friend. I hope that uh, every, everyone is, is healthy there and is okay and everybody keeps safe. Likewise. Yeah, everything is fine so far. We'll see. It's, it hasn't peaked yet, but we'll see. All right, my friend. See well, you, man. See you. So Thanks. nice to talk to you. Thanks a lot.